when we prep for these episodes, you know, sometimes I like to do a little research. You prep? Yeah, I prep. Uh, and I like to do a little bit of research. And occasionally, I learn something that I am so excited to learn. And I just hope beyond hope that neither of you know it yet so you can hear it for the first time from me. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you, that happened when I was researching for this episode. I'm, I'm so excited. Oh, spill the beans. I'm ready. Gotta, that's called a tease, Doc. Oh. Now, now people got to stick around till we get to it. Man, this was like the exciting tonight on Miami Vice tease. <laughs> now we gotta gotta keep watching to see who the who the celebrity guest is. It's it's like a Bake Off when they cut to black and you just hear a plate crash. Oh no! <laughs> and you're like, oh, someone dropped their stuff. Who's it gonna be? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Shh. Listeners, welcome back to another episode of Midnight Boys Present, a free podcast. I'm your co-host, Rob, and joined, as always, by my sunglass-wearing friends, Joe and Duff. <laughs> Looking cool. <laughs> I, I've come to podcast and chew bubble gum, but I'm not actually going to chew gum because that would not be a pleasant experience. Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, you know, I was thinking, we'll get to about, you know, Roddy uh, Piper here wearing the sunglasses and seeing the truth. You guys are my truth-finding friends. I want to know what's going on. I want to get a peek behind the curtain that I don't know. I'm not maybe online enough to know. You two are the ones I go to. You're my sunglasses, guys. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> like about what? Like about anything. No, just about the world. Oh, all right. Um, it's bad. It's <laughs> <laughs> the general review I get for I mean, guys. that's you just put on the glasses and it's just everything just says it's bad. <laughs> Go back to bed. <laughs> so, so we're continuing our uh, our wrestling our wrestling with Hollywood season. Um, last week we talked about Princess Bride um, with Andre the Giant, and this week we are moving ahead chronologically. In one year later, to They Live with uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper. A little different in tone than last week. A little bit different. It would it would literally be impossible to take scenes from this movie and scenes from Princess Bride and make them work together. (laughs) Well, there's lots of scenes of walking in both of them. True. Little different locales. Um, (laughs) If you, uh, I'm not sure if everyone's aware, but if you go to a drive-in, it's usually two or three movies and they start off uh, with the most family-friendly up front. Maybe this could be either a a double bill or we put something like a little little more risque than the princess bride but not quite as deadening as this in between in between yeah that reminds me um i took put like twins with schwarzenegger in there something i i took um my my wife and my son and i went to a triple bill uh at a drive-thru and uh you went you went to like my dream bill at a drive-in yeah yeah uh number one is chicken run for the kid you know so watch chicken run and uh and then it was Back to the Future, and I was like, you know, okay, well, it's, it's, around, it's around my son's bedtime. He should start to fall asleep. But but I, he did not because Back to the Future owns. And That's uh, a PG. That's yeah, a... and he watched the whole thing. And then Psycho started, and he was like, I want to watch this. And I was like, absolutely not. <laughs> you, you have to fall asleep. At this point, it's like 1030 at night. We're like, you need to fall asleep. And he fell asleep. Um well, I were still in Phoenix in the movie, so luckily yeah, it was okay. The, like, there's enough slow stuff in the beginning yeah. where he, he's not going to make it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, I've, thank God, but I was stressing out. You know, he he wouldn't have been that much younger than I was when I saw Psycho for the yeah, first time. Yeah, and you're fine. So, yeah. I know. <laughs> I don't want my son to have night terrors for his life. <laughs> yeah, you literally wake up screaming. How many nights a week? <laughs> I, think, I think that I was nine when I saw it, so... You know, no lasting damage. And, I don't know what you're uh, talking about. I don't know how old. I mean, I don't know how old she was when my when my one of my aunts saw uh, uh, Psycho. It scared her so much that to this day she's uh, she's in her seventies. She only takes baths. She nice. does not do showers. Um, uh, really quickly, I'll just say the one time I think I've been to a drive-in, uh, it was Free Willy, followed by The Fugitive, 
and then we packed up and left before our indecent proposal got rolling. Oh, God, what a run. Oh, man, that's <laughs> a perfect 90s run right there. Ah, oh, delightful. Um, all right, well, we're here talking about They Live. And uh, like I said, They Live has Roddy Piper. You will learn a lot about Roddy Piper. But first, let's hear a little bit about They Live. Um, I actually have a pretty in-depth plot synopsis here because I feel like it's almost necessary, right? I don't know if there's a way to like skip if around you, this. If you haven't seen it, you'll probably need it. And if you haven't seen it, you've seen a bunch of memes. Yeah. Which I guess is true of anything, but... <laughs> So, so uh, we meet a man who's played by Roddy Piper. Uh, he arrives in L.A. and he starts working at a construction site. And he lives in a shanty town. Uh, and there's there's like TV broadcasts that the shanty town gets on their TVs and it gets that get taken over. And this guy says that aliens are, you know, are in control and are keeping humans in a dreamlike state. Uh, the police eventually raid the shanty town, and Piper finds some sunglasses from the same source as the TV broadcasts. But when he puts them on, guys. He sees that all the mass media that we are fed has subliminal messages. And more shocking, some people look like aliens, like skull-faced aliens. They look so cool. So he loses it, goes nuts, and kills a bunch of these aliens. Um, he then meets up with one of his, one of his, I guess one of his only friends from the construction site, Frank. And <laughs> they, have a, they have a discussion. <laughs> <laughs> so he wants Frank to put the glasses on. All he's doing, guys, all he's doing is asking Frank to put on sunglasses. Frank refuses to do so, <laughs> so they begin they have a literally a 6-minute fight They're, in the alley. This a movie brawl. this movie put has it a, on. This put movie on. Ha- literally has a break for a wrestling match. Yeah. <laughs> it's awesome. And it's so it's because he doesn't want to put sunglasses on. <laughs> I and I so and in my life I've seen this movie. This is probably like the fourth time. There were, there were still like multiple times like this fight's over now. Oh nope, it's not. Nope, <laughs> nope. Rob would absolutely be stu- that stubborn about something he didn't want to do. Like, <laughs> you you would fight for six minutes like <laughs> if if like you after you say no once yeah like and, someone would have to pummel you into submission. And and I don't know how much we'll get into it, but except for uh, it's pretty, it's kind of a real fight. The they agreed on no face hits, no groin stuff, but otherwise it's rough and tumble. Oh yeah, it's <laughs> there's awesome. There's like there's suplexes. There's guys getting slammed into walls and being drop kicked. <laughs> it's brutal. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, eventually he gets the glasses on him, and Frank sees. Oh, I see why he wanted me to wear these glasses, and they join the anti-alien movement and learn that the aliens are the cause of global warming among other things um so the police end up coming to this thing and they break it up uh frank and uh roddy piper's character in a woman holly who i haven't mentioned yet but there's good reasons not to oh man um, whenever holly shows up <laughs> things just momentum just drops uh they escape and they end up on like the alien spaceport um, and then they get to the TV station that's pumping out all this propaganda, and then a fight, big fight happens in the station. But turns out, guys, that Holly, even though she's not an alien, she turns on Frank and kills him. And then Piper kills Holly and destroys the transmitter. Unfortunately, guys, there's so many aliens that he's overwhelmed and dies. Middle fingers up in the air to the aliens. And but now though that the transmitter is broken, all humans can see the aliens for their true selves. Yep. Did I miss anything that you think is important? Um, uh, no, just I would say that the the bigger rationale they give about the aliens is that they like there's literally a line that says we're a third world country to the aliens. It's kind of like the aliens are just taking advantage of everyone on Earth instead of just it's, it's just a colonialism. Yeah. Yeah, we're we're just a. Uh, uh, like a colonized developing nation like yeah uh, to them but their their empire is intergalactic and and the the people i think it's also important for this movie the people who tend to be aliens are generally in the professions of conservative folk it's a lot of rich people it's a lot of police um it's <laughs> i remember before i saw this movie i think 
it was described as me as like, oh, it's he puts on sunglasses and sees that all the Republicans are aliens, <laughs> which is not I mean, untrue. It's not a subtle movie. <laughs> no, no. Uh, so yeah, that's 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 the plot of They Live. Now, this movie is um, directed by John Carpenter, and I just thought we might need to spend a little bit of time in just this is our first John Carpenter movie we've talked about, right? Yeah, probably because there's yeah. little left to say about how awesome John Carpenter is. But yeah, you know. But I want to say it. But yeah, I <laughs> abs- absolute king. Uh, yeah, his 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 even like, even his misfires or less than perfect movies are super fun and entertaining. Usually, maybe yeah. not maybe not Ghosts of Mars. But I mean, from like essentially, I mean, essentially the eighties, but like seventy eight through eighty eight. I mean, he was just. He oh, was yeah. just had a fastball. Oh yeah, um, pretty much invented or solidified slasher movies with, with Halloween. Halloween. Yep. Um, the thing, which has obviously been reappraised, but is pretty much a perfect movie. Yep. Um, Escape from New York is awesome. Um, I'm Rob. I know you're a big fan of The Fog, as I am. I love The Fog. Fog might be in my top five Carpenter movies. Easily, um, I think. I mean, and there's couple other big ones this obviously big is trouble a big in one. china big yep so yeah just he's a, he makes cult films but they're always really well made and seems like a very fun guy in and his, in and his... also seems like the only good boomer <laughs> yeah yeah i mean he he's the most relatable director i think as a person from what i know is that he hates working yeah, uh, and he, ju- he just wants to play video games. <laughs> he just wants to play video games and collect royalty checks, which also I, like, honest too, right? He likes money too. It's like I like making money. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> uh, like someone asked him like if it bothers him if about his movies being remade, and he's like, uh, uh, if they pay me, it's wonderful. <laughs> it's yeah. like, and he, I mean, his attitude about that's correct. Like. Do, they remade the thing, which I mean, he remade. I mean, his yeah. the thing was a remake, right? Like, yeah. well, these yes. remakes that are are of his movies, like everyone forgets about them immediately. Yeah, yeah. Like, so it's not like it tarnishes remake. his or anything. And yeah, and and yeah, he just. I think that in politics and in entertainment, there's people that very few successful, powerful people that will just sort of stop and retire right not that he doesn't work at all he still does makes music and stuff but like these people just keep grinding and keep working until they keel over dead and his attitude of just like "Ah, send me royalty checks and I'm gonna hang out at home and play video games is like refreshing I think compared to a lot of his peers yeah yeah yeah. I he seems awesome his movies are awesome and like the thing is is like I don't I feel like this almost doesn't get mentioned enough or maybe it shouldn't because I think a lot of us love like how he is like a genre director and kind of the big ideas of his movies but man they look so good like while watching they live again I was like I think this is the first time I've seen it in like high def I think my previous viewings would have been like like VCR days yeah, or okay. something I had like a crappy DVD the first time I saw it and it looks like it, yeah you're right Halloween is another one where the craftsmanship involved in it is so superior to the other sort of slasher horror films from the same era. Like, and he, he he's so much better at filmmaking than than other genre directors from that time period. And, and especially with Halloween, he was really going out on a limb because he was on like a shoestring budget. And he's like, we're going to do the anim- anamorphic widescreen tracking shots, which are super hard to do, super time expend time, uh, man take up tons of resources for time and money but yeah ends up looking fantastic in that movie doesn't work without them like that sort of voyeuristic like feeling of being watched and and that slow pace of it 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 doesn't work without those shots so it's not like he's just showing off like it's what makes the movie without that stuff that that movie's nothing special at all without that stuff it ends up being friday the 13th (laughs) and yeah and like the biggest like i mean i know we're talking about they live but like with with halloween it's that time of the year right now. The leaves are falling. I'll be like, you know, walking or driving around in the city. And I just, whenever I'm in a city on a sidewalk and it's fall, I think about Halloween, which 
the reason I think that's crazy is Halloween was filmed in California, and they had like famously like one bag of leaves that they just reused over and over again because they didn't have like leaves yeah. to put in there. But yet, like whenever I'm in that like whenever it's fall and I'm in the city on a sidewalk, I think about Halloween. And and he also we haven't even brought up his music. Yeah, yes. he, he's also responsible for some of the most iconic score. Like, I mean, Halloween, right? Yeah. That's yeah, that's the got to be one. one of the five most famous scores ever, right? Yeah, so, yeah, I, I would think so. I mean, I mean pe- everyone people, knows it. People know that who've never seen a Halloween movie. That's how iconic it is. Yeah, it's and, up there and, with like Jaws or the the shrieking si- uh, violins and Psycho. And we talked about a little bit about Knopfler's score for Princess Bride <laughs> last week, and and how it's just so dated because he's, you know, he has all these new toys from the '80s, and and he's they're expensive, and he uses them, and and it just doesn't age well. But for somehow Carpenter, he's just making all this stuff with like what a Casio keyboard, yeah, for a lot in a lot of cases, and it it holds up so well. And I that I don't even I don't know how he managed that. <laughs> maybe yeah. it, maybe it's. Maybe it sounds dated to people who aren't fans. Maybe I'm just kind of like that could be. I think some of his stuff it, is more dated than others, but generally it holds up a lot better than other electronic scores from that yeah, period. Yeah, I, that's probably the best way to put it. Is it holds up better than than contemporary than other films from the eighties? Like it, it's an elect, it's electronic based score that um, it's still it still sounds good. It still holds up, whereas very few other scores from that decade really well i shouldn't say very few but um it, it was a decade of of big hits and some big misses i guess yeah is what i would say yeah so i uh just to appreciate john carpenter some more i said this is not a subtle movie um but i i found uh an issue of Starlog from like 1988 that had an interview with john carpenter about they live and it's pretty awesome that uh, a director would just talk this openly about the movie. And so he says, I'm disgusted by what we've become in America. I truly believe there is brain death in this country. And I think the term brain death is really funny. And then he says, yeah. this is, he says, this is the most fun I've had in a long time beginning in fall 1986 when the Reagan administration scandal started unfolding. It's the first good time I've had since Nixon resigned. Mm. Um, and then he goes on to say how much television sucks and he said that he realized he says i realized that everything we see is designed to sell us something my awareness became so acute that i couldn't even watch mtv it's all about wanting us to buy something the only thing they want to do is take our money and then he goes on to talk about how um all the people running movie studios says they're run by former TV execs and their movies are manufactured like TV. It's the same number of story climaxes and they end the same way with no uncertainty. Pretty soon we'll all be programmed to pull out, pull out our wallets. Good thing that didn't happen. <laughs> yep. He was way off. Yep. <laughs> Speaking of which, did you guys see those commercial, those Lexus commercials that the tie in from the Eternals? Isn't it, doesn't it look great? <sighs> Anyways, I'm not bringing that up for any particular reason. I hope, I hope the Eternals has some more military tie ins. <laughs> uh, so I guess we haven't really asked this question, but I mean, I'm guessing I know the answer, but I'll ask you guys like uh, well, two questions. One, uh, how much do you enjoy this movie? And two, where would it roughly rank in your John Carpenter films? Is this on, you know, is this on your like Carpenter Mount Rushmore or like how? What's your feelings on that? Uh, I could start if you guys don't mind. Yeah, I I really really like it, and uh, it's I I'm gonna I'm gonna rank it. I, I, it's really hard for me to say number one, number two, number three. Sure, it's, it that's why you can do Mount Rushmore and just be like these are my four favorites. Or well, I would I, I would say I would put his movies into tiers. And I would say, man, like I want to say it's tier one because I admire how, how ballsy, like it's one of those, I, I movies where I can't believe they got made are always something that I have a soft spot for. Sure. And I, I genuinely can't believe this got made. I, but I also From a major studio, because it's a, is it a universal movie? It's a big yeah. studio. I think it was a, cro- a co-production with Carol Coe. So okay. I, I don't know if Universal just got distribution rights. But anyways, I'm not sure. But um, I, but I will also like admit 
that it's not as like rewatchable and consistent from start to finish as his best movies. So as mm-hmm. much as I want to say it's tier one, like is it is it just as a pure cinema going experience? Is it as consistent and great as you know my favorites? Escape from New York and The Thing and, and Big Trouble in Little China. I, I can't say that it is. It's it's a notch below them. But but I it's still very 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 good, and uh, I'm always ready to watch it. Just not as much as those other ones I mentioned. I'm more or less in that camp. I think that I mean, it's a quick movie. I think that like an hour of it is great, but there are just some spots where it lags a little. And it's just a lot of walking around or. Uh, uh, what's her name? Meg Foster shows up and just kind of sleepwalks her lines. Yeah, yeah, I yeah for sure. I I would put this on the a tier below. Um, I would probably go what Joe mentioned, like Halloween, The Thing, Big Trouble, Escape, and The Fog. I put The Fog in tier one because I really I really love The Fog. I don't think there's, I can't think of another movie that maybe Poltergeist, but I think The Fog's better than Poltergeist at being just like a ghost story. Like yeah. it's the purest, purest representation of a ghost story I've seen in a movie. And gun to my head, if you made me choose four, I would drop Escape and put the fog in there. Like, and I love Escape. I probably would like, too. I, I mean, I I think the point is like there's six, maybe seven movies that we all really like from John Carpenter. I, I should add that there are some movies of his that I haven't seen because I, I uh, can't get a good copy of them. And mm-hmm. that's like, why I need to become a torrent boy like you guys. But, what? <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> uh, like you guys out there in internet land. I yeah, mean, there we yeah, go. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I just, I just sounded like audience. Roddy Piper there for a second. So one. So I haven't seen in the, like I haven't seen in the mouth of madness or village of the damned for that reason because, um, the, my local library system either doesn't have copies or has really beat up ones and they don't work. And I, I just, they're in, not on Blu-ray. I don't yeah. even know that they're really supposed to be good. In the Mouth of Madness seems, I don't understand how it could not be good based on everything I read about it. That's kind of, and that's the one kind of big one I haven't seen. And I feel like that's been reappraised that I know most people view that positively. Uh, Village of the Damned is not very good. Um, it's really hard to get beyond your leads being uh, Christopher Reeve and Kirstie Alley. <laughs> so that leads into my my criticism on this movie i like this movie i think this movie is better in parts than as a sum right like i i just think there's individual things that i really like but overall it doesn't all tie in and the reason is and i'm i'm i'm, I'm choosing my words carefully because i want to i don't want to make people mad but um uh, our, uh our you know friend of the show meeks texts us a few nights a few weeks ago was like what are some movies that are really like at work even oh, if they have, oh, you're about to say something that's gonna make me upset. I know. I'm sorry, Joe. What movies work even though they have bad acting in it? And I think this is one of them. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, whenever, how, I, whenever how I watch, can sweet, you say, I just, how can you I, say that Keith David is not great in this? Keith <laughs> David is by far. I mean, yes, Keith David is 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 very is good is good in this, and he is by far the best in this. So I know that the common refrain is that Kurt Russell should have been in this. Absolutely. I disagree. I oh. think I think it would have been distracting. I think he was it might have made more money, but I think it would have been it would have drawn focus at that time. I think it would have I I, I think Roddy Piper is the right choice for this. Oof. He's a lunkhead, but I, I I think he fits what this is. Yeah, like he's not He's just supposed to be like an average Joe, just some guy. I mean, his name literally means nothing. <laughs> like literally, yeah. that's his name, Nada. So he, I, he handles the role. The like, I think physicality is a really important part of this. I mean, we talked about the fight sure. already. I I have no complaints about Roddy Piper. I think that's weird. What are you? T- I don't know what you're talking about. Is that okay. is, is your is your perspective like the conventional wisdom on this? I I think it's kind of conventional wisdom that people wish Kurt Russell were in this. But Kurt Russell, he ne- like he never would have, right? His Why? politics are like the opposite of this movie, aren't they? Well, I think Roddy's were the opposite too. He just liked have doing roles. But Yeah. Money does a lot of things. Really. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. True. Uh no, I well okay, so 
So you yeah, think he's I mean, bad in it? I think I don't. he's I think he's fine. I mean, he he's he can move. Look, this is not a char- <laughs> this is not a character-driven movie. Yeah, he's ambulatory. When he and, yells at people, uh, it's cool. And it's fun when he when he like hits, but even like okay. Okay, even the line, the famous line in this movie, right? The chewing gum. Yeah. It's a better line on paper than it is on Roddy's reading of it, which is I I can't believe Roddy Piper, one of the greatest like Mike guys in W in wrestling history, his like his, his one liner is like he just read it off a cardboard piece of cardboard someone was holding up. Yeah, I guess. I, I thought he was the one that came up with that line. He did come he up did. with it. Yes. Um I don't know. I mean, I don't I if this movie didn't have the one-liners, I wouldn't miss them, but I don't mind them. Um I think it's funnier when they kind of get to the transient hotel as a gay couple. And he's like, "Ain't love grand?" <laughs> I I guess I I'm not going to get too upset about the Roddy Piper slander. But the, the the just the disrespect thrown at Keith David by you there, he and I like Keith David. There's like three people in this movie. How could you not? You can't say you didn't think of him. Well, no, I did. I did think of him. But like, there's a reason Keith David is always a supporting role. Yeah, I mean, he's. I like Keith David, but I've never been like I want a full movie with Keith David as the star. Is there a full movie with Keith David no, as the star? No, because no one had that thought. Look, nothing, nothing wrong with being, <laughs> no. be, being a character or a supporting actor. Absolutely not. He's great, great, yeah. And he disappears for like a decent chunk in this movie too, until the, the um, the punching fight. <laughs> Man, <laughs> the he, punching fight, which is how I'm going to call fights from now on. I think I could do. We could do a whole episode on Keith David movies because he's so been too. in so many. Just like. So many iconic moments where he just strolled in for a five-minute scene and just stole the show. Like, there's something about Mary. Yeah. Oh, God, I forgot he was in Requiem for a Dream. Yeah, that's, oh yeah. That, is, that is my probably my go-to association, which makes me sad. Um, <laughs> but but um, a good point is he's one of those dudes who can do anything. He can be yeah. funny. He can be dramatic. Um he is wonderful as the voice of the villain in Princess and the Frog. And uh, he, he's, I mean, as a voice guy, he's he, an he, all-timer. He, and he has a great singing voice. He, he can do anything. That dude does a lot of video games. A lot of voices on Hey, man, games. that's where the big <laughs> money is. <laughs> and like I said, his voice is awesome. Yeah. So, like, do it. I mean, he's, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, it's, it's not me slandering him. I just think... The only person you are allowed to, to slander is Meg Foster, who looks like she's Who's... been given Valium. <laughs> <laughs> it, like, I was like, is she supposed to be, like, playing this? Like, she's, so, like, soulless and dead? Which I guess by the end makes sense, but also, you know, our main character is, but like, she's not for her. But she's not supposed to be a ghoul. She's just supposed to kind of be a turncoat who's helping them. Yeah. So, um, I don't fun, know. fun fact: She, the year prior to this, played Evil Lynn in the Masters of the Universe adaptation, where her icy quaaludeness uh, <laughs> actually <laughs> it actually works in that movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, have you guys seen any other uh, Roddy Piper movies? I have seen Hell Comes to Frogtown. A uh, friend of the show, relationship expert Jamie, had it on VHS, so I watched it the way you're supposed to, uh, as in like the last like. In the last ten years, on a VHS, watching Hell Comes to Frogtown. I, I'm not hmm. sure if I have, but he's been in a lot more than I realized. Yeah, I'm skimming through it. He now. did a lot of things. Um, we'll get to does, Roddy Piper? Does the music video for Goonies are good enough count? <laughs> uh, yes, we can get to that. But yeah, <laughs> that does count. Uh, that's actually uh, that's actually a pretty decent segue if we want guys to um to get into Roddy Piper's career or I know you guys have stuff about more of the 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 bones of this movie the the what 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 it's telling us I mean we don't have to get too into it it's you know it's kind of a bummer I was just gonna bring up uh this reminded me a lot of uh a very famous mass media critique called amusing ourselves to death which is often taught in 
uh, journalism or communications classes. And the, the crux of that book is that um, there's no way that television can be uh, in... Basically, the message is that television is only good when it's trying to be junk. And when it's trying to be anything else, it fails because just it's the medium is the message like it's just so image-based that it's impossible to really be to have intelligent rational ideas on tv and again that's i'm not saying whether or not i agree um i think i haven't read the book in a long time but it's it's got a lot of salient points (laughs) the thing that i'll say about television that's changed and it's for the worst, but there's sort of like I think two things happen. I think the quality of the actual TV programming, like you know, shows, entertainment, yeah. is obviously increased a lot, especially last, like post Sopranos. Yep, in the last thirty or forty years, but news, yeah, <laughs> has gone about ten times the other way to becoming much worse, which I think is a net negative overall. Yeah. Um, Especially when they got rid of the fairness doctrine in the 80s. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So one question I had, um, Joe, do you want to say anything? Well, I mean, I think that when, I don't know, I I probably first saw this movie 17, 18 years ago, like early, uh, maybe not quite that long ago, but yeah, early 21st century. Mm -hmm. And you watch something like this and... And we've kind of lived through some events, some mm-hmm. <laughs> some things that are a bummer, right? Mm-hmm. And I guess the only I, I, after rewatching it on uh, I don't know Thursday or Friday, whenever I rewatched it, um, I was thinking about how, yeah, you know, you mentioned this earlier, like, well, it's not subtle, but it's still a message that I think it's it's helpful to be reminded of, and 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 it had me thinking about how. So many terrible things have happened this century in the United States and globally. And the very idea that things could even be better seems like a radical notion. The, just, yeah. the, the idea that, that life could be easier or that things could be improved has been just sort of completely removed from the American imagination. And I was thinking about how the only time... I can think of through all these different crises, economic, uh, environmental, pandemic, whatever, the only time the government actually does anything and gives us anything is when they get scared that we stop shopping. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's <laughs> like, true. It's the only time <laughs> that the, the federal government has actually done anything in our adult lives was in what 2007 or 2008 when bush sent out like a 200 dollars check to everybody or however much it was and then uh earlier this year and last year uh they sent people money in every other facet of american life at least economically speaking everything has gotten worse without fail yeah, outside of like housing credits during during the um the only thing i can think of is the housing credits which is still purchasing something um, in like 2008 or so cash for clunkers baby remember that yeah <laughs> I don't remember that <laughs> I don't I don't even really it was something about like you could trade in your old gas guzzling car and get a credit or something I, oh okay. I mean a, a hurricane the size of the entire eastern seaboard could make landfall and kill five million people and I genuinely don't think anything would change but if like we started shopping 20% less i I, th- I think the government would go full socialist for like 3 months <laughs> just start handing out just j- the, like congress people would be walking around handing out $100 bills to people until we started going to target again yeah it's uh, like after 911 when they tell us to beat the terrorists we need to keep buying washing machines yeah they 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 that's the one of the first thing the pre, one of the first things the president said is be normal be happy go shopping and stuff so what when, when people criticize this movie as being 
as not being subtle, being too overt. It's like, well, <laughs> the other side isn't very subtle either. Well, I think I, I think it being overt is a strength to this yeah, movie, and, actually. And yeah. by the way, I don't mean that as a negative. No, like, I know you don't. Yeah, I know neither of you guys do, but it, but it is a like, critique from some people. But yeah, um, it, but but you you need to have things like this that are just plainly say like talking about how awful things are and how we're being manipulated, just so you don't feel crazy. Yeah. Just so you're like, oh, I'm not the only one that that notices this. Um, true to everything else we know about this world, uh, guys, did you hear about how the Nazis tried to co-op They Live? What? Oh yeah, they always do. Um, yeah. The the you know the Proud Boys and the Nazis and the other people who like don't masturbate for some reason. Um, <laughs> the the um, semen retainers. Yeah, they they co-opted they for a while viewed or were saying that they live is about the the great replacement and that uh the the ghouls the aliens were actually jews oh my um, god but uh again uh bless john carpenter uh this was in 2017 he tweeted out he said they live is about yuppies and unrestrained capitalism it has nothing to do with jewish control of the world which is slander and a lie so there's nothing better than when uh, chuds latch on to some form of art, and then the artist who made it tells them to go f off. Yeah, it's one of my favorite things in the world. Unreal. Um, so the sorry the before you know we're talking about kind of the bummer stuff before we get to Roddy. Uh, the only other question I had is, you know, growing up, uh, it was TV that rotted your brain. Um, is that still true? Because I feel like the internet's rotting our brain now. I mean, now it's just, you know, as a parent, the term is screens. Screens. Mm, yeah. So you, you just, there's like a, you know, a wider, a, a, you know, it describes more devices there that screens in general are, uh, are rotting people. I feel like uh, the younger people dealt with TV a lot better than the older people dealt with the internet. Yeah. Just, I, I don't think anyone actually watches TV. People put TV on, but everyone's just staring at their phone the whole time. Like, uh, well, for so, sure, people don't see TV commercials anymore. Well, yeah, I mean, TV now is like you put on Netflix or whatever, and you will go through the office for the eight thousandth time. Or something you, like Netflix that. and scroll is what it is now. Yeah, yeah and so, so so Netflix, like television as it is today, is is just something that is just a white noise machine that you put on in the background. Because the idea of like what what you do last night, and you could just say, oh, I I I watched four episodes of. The Handmaid's Tale or something, I don't know. Uh, because saying that uh, is is less depressing than saying, like, oh, I, I stared up my phone for four hours in a row, and then I then I cried myself to sleep. <laughs> like, so, and then... Because the other one, at least you achieved something. You, you know, you, you yeah, checked off Yeah, I mean, show. You, you consumed... You, 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 Get that you, content. You, you, yeah, you consume and, and yeah, I mean, God... Open that mouth. That word. <laughs> um, so th- the idea of spending your Tuesday night, like, oh, I watched t- the television show. Like, there- there's nothing inherently depressing about that. But the truth is, like, most people, what they actually did is they scroll through Instagram for three or four hours in a row while a television episode was playing in the background. What, th- what they should, of course, be doing is listening to our podcast. Instead, Absolutely. But- Freepodcast.com. <laughs> so, and then to answer your question, like, the new thing that rots your brain, like, well, I mean, I think it's always been debatable about, like, I don't think television actually really ever rotted people's brains. Like, we probably shouldn't park a two-year-old in front of TV all day, but... Um, but, but that was, it, I think but it's that's quite the com- That was the big comment. Oh, yeah, yeah. No doubt. But, but that's always been debatable to some degree. There's no debating that, obviously, like, Facebook is rotting people's brains. Like, like there's no there's no debating that as someone so, who has, so as I, someone... I would say i wouldn't say the internet broadly i don't know that it does but and as as lame as it feels to say this sentence like uh seems like I, social media and, and facebook in particular seems to be the thing that's rotting people's brains it's just making people they're just like it's just a thing that you open to get mad about stuff at least television uh fed usually on people's entertainment and happiness <laughs> yeah yeah except for like fox news like it, it was meant to like well they were yeah. ahead of, they were ahead of the curve <laughs> yeah yeah i mean for a while it was just like oh let's you know people want to let's 
laugh at a sitcom or watch, you know, Columbo or something. And then slowly it just turned into like yelling with people, which we've never done. We're above all that. Mm-hmm, for sure. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, well guys, all right, let's all, let's all the depressing stuff. Yes. Let's get into Roddy, Roddy, Roddy Piper. Now, yes. um, I did, I did uh, quite a bit of research to prepare for this. Cause I'm going to be honest guys, my, my Roddy, like my first hand Roddy Piper memories are not much because I, I his body was pretty busted by the time we were old enough to watch wrestling yeah like I, I like Piper's Pit I know and like I know Wrestlemania 1 and the Mr. T thing but like I didn't watch it I was I wasn't yeah. watching wrestling I was a little too young um but so I I you know I deep dive to go into his career and I decided I want to talk about three important things in his career and obviously if you guys have other stuff to add feel free but um, the big one, and you hinted towards it a little earlier, Duff, is um, the rock and wrestling connection. <laughs> so and this is this like it's just it's funny to think about, but it's a big deal. Uh, and if you listened last week, we talked about Andre the Giant, and I talked about territories, and then how eventually Vince McMahon and WWF just like bought all these territories in with the rise of cable TV and kind of like dumped into it. Well. Also around that time, you have MTV in the early '80s that comes out and starts to be a you know starts to be a big deal. And you have WWF wrestling and MTV kind of going into a partnership to help both each other out. So why um, not? <laughs> why not? Right? Like there's a, there's definitely overlap in the audience at this point. And this was the golden decade of WTF synergy. This this was yes. the decade of Prince doing a Batman soundtrack. This, <laughs> you know. Yeah, that's a good point. It, it, yeah, it was it it was it, they hadn't quite figured out the way to, you know, make these connections work. But the people were trying. Let's yep. you know, celebrities can do something. How can we make this you know make this work? Um, so it all starts out when Cindy Lauper is on a trip in Puerto Rico and she meets Lou Albano, Cap- <laughs> Captain Lou. Captain Lou, who was like a wrestling manager back in the day. Um, and I really she, wish I could have been there for that meeting. Absolutely. And and she's like, hey, Captain Lou. Why you, don't you... I don't, you have to say the whole name. Ca- Hi, Captain Cap- Lou Albano. Captain Lou Albano. He's one of those guys where you have to say, like, like a presidential assassin. Yeah. yeah you have to right. say all three parts. Although he never killed a president. As far as um, we know. Captain Lou Albano. Uh he she asked him to to play her father in the video for the girls just want to have fun video which obviously was a huge hit um so then that creates this connection so then later on uh Vince McMahon books her and Albano to appear on a pipe on the Piper's Pit and she was get. and she was a huge wrestling fan and yes. was very into it yes so this starts this feud between her and him she like he calls her abroad <laughs> Albano calls her abroad. She hits him with a purse. <laughs> then, <laughs> God. Then, by the way, uh, I don't know what episode we were talking about, like old TV tropes. Br- yeah, bring back women just getting so angry they hit you with a purse and you fall down. Absolutely. Like, like it, that was a thing in like old movies and sitcoms, and just like the the power of an angry broad hitting you with her purse and just floors you, knocks you cold. Abs- absolutely. Oh God. So then. Um, this leads to this uh, a match that was going to be brought that brought, was broadcast live on MTV, the brawl to end it all. This is 1984, and uh, the idea was that she would choose her own wrestler, and Captain Lou Albano would choose his own wrestler, and it was she chose Wendy Richter, and Albano chose the Fabulous Moolah. Which God, if you want to go down a rabbit hole, read about the Fabulous Moolah. That's a whole other world. Um, and so during the match, Sidney uh, Lauper interferes, and <laughs> Duff, you'll never believe this, she hits the fabulous moolah with her purse. Yeah. <laughs> was the ref looking, or was he distracted? I don't remember. I have not seen this match. Okay. So, uh, so she, so the person that Cindy Lauper chooses, Wendy Richter, wins the championship. Uh, so then, uh, this continues on, and she's they continue. There's um, wrestlers in. Um, 
The Goonies are good enough, which you mentioned, time after time, and Shebop. By the way, it's so funny to me that there's professional wrestlers in Shebop, that these wrestlers are like, I'll be on the masturbation video. <laughs> I'll be on yeah. the song about masturbating. So I'd, I'd forgotten about that one. Um, the, vid- the video for Goonies are good enough is just absolute insanity. It, it's like seven minutes long. Uh, I think there's a Steven Spielberg cameo towards the yep. end. Roddy Piper. There's Iron Sheik. Um, there's um, God, who else? Fabulous Moolah. Nikola Volkov. Is Jimmy, all sorts of people. Jimmy Snuka is he in that? I don't uh, think so. But yeah, it's just and Andre the Giant's in it as well. It's on YouTube. It's just it. You can't even describe it. It has little, if anything, to do with the Goonies, except that at one point they're in a cave. <laughs> <laughs> So this this carries this carries on, and it's a bit of storytelling, but it's important. This carries on to another event called the War to Settle the Score. <laughs> and I've seen clips of this. And this, the main event was once again uh, on MTV, and it was in Madison Square Garden, and it was uh, Hulk Hogan versus Roddy Piper. Okay, for Roddy Piper was at his best when he was a heel, a bad guy, and. Um, what happens is um, Hogan wins because Piper is disqualified, uh, and then Mr. T, who is Hulk Hogan's friend, <laughs> it was sitting ringside. So at the end of the match, him and Cindy Lauper come into the ring, and Piper and like his his friends, uh, like Bob Orton Jr. and stuff, start attacking. Um, <laughs> start attacking Mr. T and famously Roddy Piper kicked Cindy Lauper in the head oh, and I only laugh when I say that because he was supposed to like they essentially asked Roddy like can you kick Cindy Lauper in a way that doesn't hurt her and he's right like, it's I mean yeah. it's a wrestling quote unquote kick it's not supposed yes. to be like hard contact no so this sets up the first Wrestlemania <laughs> and this is a big deal um because if even if you don't know anything about wrestling, you've heard the term WrestleMania. This is an annual event that we will continue to talk about. We talked about last week of WrestleMania three, and the main event at WrestleMania one is um, is uh, Hulk Hogan and Mr. T versus Roddy Piper and Paul Orndorff, and so they have this battle. Uh, of course, Hulk Hogan and Mr. T end up winning. And this starts like a real-life slash wrestling feud between Mr. T and Roddy Piper because Roddy doesn't like when non-wrestlers wrestle and hmm. is just sort of pissed off in general about having to, like, sell and be in a match for Mr. T. So they go back and forth. And this is when... There are, you know, there are certain things in Roddy Piper's career where they're a bit cringeworthy, um, and uh, he definitely says a few things about Mr. T that even in the '80s, guys, I don't know. Like he makes a comment about how Mr. T wore more chains than his ancestors. Mm. I mean, real rough look stuff. Uh, but eventually they little, would meet. Little too rowdy. <laughs> little too rowdy, Roddy. Uh, so obviously the fact that that um, Roddy Piper is in the main event of the very first WrestleMania, which obviously was a huge success, is a big deal. And that has often caused animosity in real life between Roddy Piper and Hulk Hogan because Hulk Hogan generally has given getting the most credit for the success of WrestleMania and the success of WWF during this time, whereas Roddy has claimed, no, man, any good hero needs a villain to go against, and I was the villain. So, like, I should get as much credit as you for what happened. So, story number one. WrestleMania 1, Roddy Piper, big deal, is part of that. The most important thing that he's been part of is Piper's Pit. And all Piper's Pit is, it's very simple. It's a it's an interview show, essentially. It would be like Roddy would be, like, in this... Um, it, was, it was the... Like a set. The Tonight Show of wrestling. Yeah, kind of. And, 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 and we talked. would just We talked about it last week with Hogan and Andre. Yes. Big angles would always happen on this. That was one famous one. The other really famous one is when he <laughs> when he hits Jimmy Snook over the head of a coconut. <laughs> <laughs> which is a famous thing. But um and also I, I need to mention that during this Lopper Piper Hogan Mr. T feud, 
Um, you mentioned MTV earlier, Duff, and and just what you know in this movie in general, what TV is trying to do. Uh, Piper continually called MTV music to vomit to. For um, so it was an interview segment, which like I can't, you cannot understate how important it was, not just for the events that occurred, but like as someone who still watches wrestling, almost every weekly show has a part where someone now it's in the ring because they want live audiences to see it too. But like where a wrestler is in a ring with another wrestler and they interview and talk to each other and it often goes awry. Like the whole Piper's pit thing ends up being like a, like a, just a staple in pro wrestling that continues, you know, 40 years later. It used to be, you know, they would cut to behind the scenes with mean gene and someone and man, there's nothing tougher than selling something like that to no audience. Yeah, yeah, and also a difference is at that point a lot of that stuff would have been taped, so yeah. you you could do it. But now all the shows are live, so that's why they move it into the ring because you want like you know, the live audience should get to react to it instead of just like watching a video. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, I did promise guys a fact that will blow your mind, and that we are at this now. This Dang. is this gets this gets to the Roddy Piper that I know, and that would be around WrestleMania 12. He kind of bounces, um, you know throughout Roddy's career he will take little breaks from wrestling to try to make it in Hollywood or in TV I mean They Live is obviously his biggest hit but I mean he's if you look at his IMDB there's a ton of credits I and um, you know that it's not made it big when most of his movies don't even have a link to another page <laughs> yeah and, and Roddy's a guy who was always hustling I mean like uh, I've not seen this and I don't know if I want to watch it but like even later in his life he was in um he was in a celebrity wife swap where he swapped wives of Ric Flair. Oh, man. <laughs> like, I can't even believe those words I just said. Um, but, okay, let's fast forward, guys, um, to WrestleMania 12. So this would have been 1996. And um, what happens is there is a um, – he ends up having a match with uh, Goldust, which we can get into a little bit. But I want to talk to you about what the idea was before that. The idea before that was Goldust, who, if you don't know anything about it, is a very bizarre, sexually charged, just bizarre character. And he was supposed to have an angle with um, with Razor Ramon. And Razor Ramon was like, I do not want to, I don't want to, I don't want to deal with this guy. This is just a nightmare to have to deal with this. Hmm. Um, so I got to change that idea. So eventually they end up pairing him with Piper. But before that, guys, they had an idea for Roddy Piper. A WrestleMania idea, which, as we've talked about, often has celebrities involved, right? I mean, Mr. T, before, it always has celebrities. Mm-hmm. Bob Euchre, we mentioned being the guest announcer. Our great former president. Um, yes. Uh, do you guys want to guess what the idea is? Which celebrity they were going to have Roddy Piper fight in WrestleMania 12? So I'll give you some clues. What year is WrestleMania 12? This is 1996. Okay. And this is in Anaheim, California. Uh, Any ideas? So, so is the location important? Yes. So uh, right. it's got it's got to be someone like I'm going. It's someone like Surfer Long Beach related. Okay, it's not. Oh. But this person uh, famously lived in California, <laughs> and you guys aren't going to guess it. Well, Sonny Bono was dead already. Mm-hmm. Dead <laughs> is a clue. Dead's a clue. This person's alive, but they have something to do with death. Hmm. So so Jack, Co- killer. Jack Kevorkian. Nope, you're getting closer. O.J. Simpson. Oh. Come on. <laughs> they, Come on. They no. had talked to O.J. Simpson's people. Was this... And, so this was obviously after he'd been cleared yeah. of the federal case. Had he been cleared of the civil case? I don't know if the civil case, but he had been cleared of the... I'm trying to remember like the, the timeline for O.J. Simpson's um, trial. But he had been cleared, so it was like... Mm, yeah, I know this would have been before the civil trial because civil trial was a year later, in October of '95. Speaking of when speaking the, of dudes who hustled, <laughs> yeah. So they had like reached out to O.J. Simpson and they had talked to Roddy Piper and Piper was for it and they were going to essentially have Roddy Piper just beat the hell out of O.J. Simpson at WrestleMania. <laughs> uh, and o- and O.J. and his people were like, "Yeah, I mean, sure, we'll take that payday." Oh yeah, I mean, um, he needs <laughs> money. What else? Is- <laughs> But eventually, someone at WWF must have must have thought and been like, "Wait a minute, 
are we sure we want to do this? Are we sure? This would have been March of 96. So this is like less than six months from the trial. This is, um, <laughs> here's a question. Is this one of those things where, because it was still kind of the birth of the internet, would they have gotten away with it and people would have forgotten about it? I think they would have gotten like, away with it. Much like Ted Danson and Blackface. Yeah, I think this is early enough. Like, I don't think this ever came out as like a rumored thing in 96 because the internet wasn't, you know, yeah. to, to that degree. But um, I do know they started thinking like, oh, man, what about the Goldmans? It's probably not great for them to see. <laughs> uh, you think so? <laughs> you know, so I, be- it- I bet the reason, based on what I know about Vince McMahon, I bet that the reason it didn't go through is Vince is like, no one wants to see that. It won't be a big ratings draw. They're sick of him. So so what they did instead is they had a uh, – Roddy Piper and um, Goldust had a backlot, a Hollywood backlot brawl. <laughs> and so they filmed it. It's actually pretty the, – the backlot part's pretty great. Like a week or two beforehand, they filmed Goldust and uh, Roddy Piper just beating the hell out of each other in a, like a real Hollywood backlot and, like, hitting each other with cars and um, – and uh, Goldust got concussed in the match in that part. Roddy Piper broke his his hand in that match as well. Um, but here's the here's the thing: this, the OJ thing doesn't go away, guys. <laughs> because much, much like real life. <laughs> because uh, Goldust was drove like this gold car, so the the Hollywood backlot brawl happens, and then uh, Roddy Piper or Goldust gets in his gold car and drives off, and then. Um, and then uh, Piper gets in his car and drives off, and then they would you see them coming into the arena in Anaheim, and then it like spills back into the into the ring. So that's how it goes. Here's the thing: Goldust comes driving in with his gold vehicle, and right behind it is Roddy Piper driving a white Bronco. Oh, <laughs> and even they even showed like the white Bronco footage, like on the freeway, like between the brawl and like them driving. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> so to answer your question, Duff, no, I don't think uh, he thought it wouldn't be a ratings draw. Mm-hmm. I just think it might have been the rare time where Vince Good. McMahon was like, maybe that's too far. Yeah, <laughs> man. I mean, can you believe that? I can, I just cannot believe that. I wish it would have happened. <laughs> I mean, I I'm trying to Im- imagine number one how good a shape OJ would have been in. Would it? Like, would have just him come out and just Roddy, like, pummels him. As... Well, his hands were all swelled up, you know, <laughs> thin his gloves anymore. <laughs> did, he de- did he decide instead to devote his time to the If I Did It book? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just, I mean, especially if they would have kept that secret. I, I, yeah, I don't know what would have happened. I think the only way to pull it off is you wouldn't have, you, you would have had to keep it secret. Yeah. But then people aren't buying to do it so then you no, have to advertise it and i'm sure like advertisers and stuff would have been like no we're gonna pull our ads you can't do this unreal so yeah wow so my my, my favorite uh roddy storyline was uh when uh virgil the million dollar man's uh manservant. bodyguard manservant <laughs> who was uh black and very problematic in mm-hmm. retrospect, uh, uh, Roddy was coaching him because Virgil had enough of Million Dollar Man. And so Roddy became his mentor to uh, take on the Million Dollar Man. That's the one I remember the most. And that was during, like, most of the time I was watching wrestling, Roddy was a manager or a hype man with the Piper's Pit. Yeah, yeah. He, he definitely uh, did quite a bit of that. Uh, another, like, famous, I have not watched it, I've only seen clips of it. A famous um, pre-WrestleMania match for Roddy Piper is in 1983 at Starcade, which is like another essentially WCW's version of WrestleMania. He had a match versus Greg Valentine. It guys, it was a dog collar match. <laughs> what? So they each have <laughs> they each have these giant studded dog collars on, and like a 15 foot chain connects the two. God, and uh, it's pretty bloody can only imagine yeah. so uh <laughs> yeah now joe you've 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 met roddy piper before his um 
untimely passing. Yeah, um, I'm tr- I'm, I he performed at a comedy club that was attached to a strip club here in Milwaukee. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was called Jokers. I, 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 I was just trying to. It's probably not open anymore, but. Um, if I Google comedy club next to Silk, that might yield results. Silk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was called it was called Jokers. And okay. it was in the basement of a strip club. And uh, it, it closed a few years ago. But he was we, we found out, friends and I, that he was performing there. Well, why wouldn't of course you go, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was, yeah. A, it was a no brainer. So we, we bought VIP tickets so we would get <laughs> A table right up next to the stage. I think it was like, like two dollars more a ticket or something like that. And so we show up. I think like ten minutes before it's about to start. And there was two other people in the room. <laughs> in the whole room? Yeah. Yeah. Oh no! I didn't so, know that part. So by the time it started, <laughs> it was I think three, three or four of us. And then I think as. At most, maybe five or six other people at, at this performance. Definitely okay. not more than ten. Oh. And uh, so I, I, I'm already just feeling oh. kind of bad. And then, then the there is an opening comic, and he was extremely mad that no one was laughing. <laughs> just just absolutely miserable person. And, uh, and then... Was, was it Captain Lou Albano? It was not Captain Lou Albano. And then Rowdy Rowdy Piper came out and was just... If if it bugged him that there wasn't more people there, you he sure didn't show it. Yeah, it just good for him. Absolutely, professionalism seemed overjoyed to be there, and and I think he. Pro- it seemed to me, and like thinking back on it, that he was just adopting the perspective that these people like me so much that they came to this show. Mm-hmm. So he he was on stage. I don't know. It must have been like an hour or so. And he kind of had some prepared stories that he was going to tell. And then for, I think, probably the last 20 minutes or so, maybe half, yeah, probably about 20 minutes, just said, just, what do you want me to talk about? Name a wrestler, I'll tell you stories about him. So someone would just awesome. yell out a name, Hulk Hogan, and he'd be like, ah, Hulk Hogan. And then he'd just <laughs> tell a story about Hulk Hogan. Ric Flair. Ah, oh, Ric Flair. That's awesome. And, yeah, it was a great time. And then at the end, he came out and... Um, was willing to take pictures with people. I don't think any of us took a picture with him. Um, I know I didn't, but uh, he, he was also an option to just give him a big hug. So I, I just said made, said made a brief comment about how much uh, fun it had been to watch him over the years and how much I like they live. And he's like, oh, brother, that's great to hear. And then just enveloped me in this big old Rowdy Rowdy Piper hug. Oh, that's cool. Great memory. War- warms my heart. He he. As far as I've ever read or heard, he was a um, very proud of they live, which yeah. I mean he should be. Yeah. And uh, two other like tiny little fun facts about Roddy Piper I want to put out. Um, I think what cannot be understated is uh, not many wrestlers come up with a T-shirt or a merchandise that sticks around and sells the way his hot rod shirt does. Yeah. Um, I mean there are. I think you can. Like I think there's maybe like literally half a dozen T-shirts that wrestlers have had that um, kind of became big enough that like you could wear them and not know they're wrestling shirts and they're still cool. Yeah, uh, Hot Rods one, um, NWO would have been one. You know, just like top selling things. Any like a Hulk shirt, of course, still works. Austin three sixteen. It's always text. Like it's the one thing like WWE seems to not figure out is like people don't generally want pictures of wrestlers on their shirts they just want like the catch line and stuff for yeah. like something that references so hot rod i mean that shirt you know everyone's seen that shirt and then uh the other thing you know we make fun of um we like talking about people who are in the like you know married five times club and all this stuff uh roddy piper guys married in 1982 uh stayed married his entire life good for that's him. incredible for a professional wrestler mm-hmm God, yeah. I mean, that's incredible for a human being in general. For any, any <laughs> anyone famous, especially, yeah. yet alone wrestling, which is a very travel-intensive job. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, 
Yeah, do you, any guys have anything else you want to add about uh, They Live or, or, or Hot Rod, Roddy Piper? Uh, I, I just looked this up, but I did not realize that his full name is Roderick Toombs. Mm-hmm. Not Scottish, He's either. Canadian. He's, he's Canadian. from uh, Saskatchewan. Yep. You can tell he's got his his Roddy's accent isn't that much different than like our jokey Wisconsin accent. Yeah. It's you know, it has that bit of the, the same 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 stuff to it. Well, guys, we're gonna fast forward next week a few more years. We're going to nineteen ninety one and we gotta talk about I mean, arguably I maybe not any like you know, we'll talk about it. I guess it's arguably, but the most famous professional wrestler of all time. It's him or, and, him or the Rock at this point, yeah. and that's Hulk Hogan. And uh, you know, a lot of lot of lot of bad Hogan movies to choose from. Um, I, I would not allow us to choose Rocky Three. Rocky no. Three is the one he's in, right? Yeah, and he's only in that for a hot minute. And he's a wrestler in it; like he's playing a version of himself. Yeah, and we'll talk about that. This is another one of those cursed movies that I saw in the movie theater. <laughs> so yeah, Suburban Commando. I have not seen this movie. I remember commercials for it. Uh, I did not realize that the cast includes uh, Christopher Lloyd and Shelley Duvall in yes. addition to Hulk Hogan. Yes. So uh, I've seen this when I was a kid. Uh, I remember liking it when I was a kid. I'm sure... I I doubt I'll feel the same now, but uh, you know who knows? Who knows? So we're gonna we're gonna dive into Suburban Commando and uh, and and the Hogan's career, which I mean, it's such a big career. We've touched on it with both these wrestlers on uh-huh. inside and outside of the ring. Yes. Oh boy. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and yeah, if you want to hear more content from us, you can go to uh, the Midnight. Bo- I'm sorry, patreoncom slash Boys. Or go to freepodcast.com and find all of our stuff. I mean, guys, this, we're like 60, almost 70 episodes into not even counting our Patreon stuff. So just different movies. So, Rob, you gave you gave a tease at the, the beginning. I'm, I'm going to give you guys some homework, and that's going to be a tease for Suburban Commando. Okay. Please come up with your favorite Hulk Hogan lie he has told over the years. <laughs> <laughs> of which Of which there are many. Okay. So, all right. You know, uh, the Hulkster, you know, like many a professional wrestler, likes to take credit, likes to tell some tall tales. Uh, you can call him the Huckster if you want. Do you, have, do you have one off the top, uh, the top of your head that we could use as a as a little appetizer? For uh, so I'll I'll share. I was gonna share this, but I'm sure I can come up with another. Um, uh, Hulk Hogan said that he at one point was asked to join Metallica. <laughs> But that he turned them down. <laughs> Incredible. Uh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. Um, oh, when? I mean, when? Uh, what would they have wanted to be? So if, if, uh, I feel was like it this like was about load album. So I'm just, I mean, there's lots of stuff about this online. I'm just seeing uh, Hulk Hogan revealed he almost joined an early version of Metallica. Uh, he said he used to be close friends with Lars, with Lars, um, but but that he turned them down to concentrate on I don't know wrestling or pasta mania or something. Oh Who knows? My God, that's um, so funny. Yeah. So, no but there's there's a ton of Hulk Hogan tales. Um, that the Hulksters put out there. <laughs> oh boy! All right, guys. Well, on that, uh, we'll leave it on that. And uh, Suburban Commando and Hogan lies next week. <laughs> <laughs>